This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 195 of the Laravel News Podcast. Today is July 5th, 2023. It is the day after the 4th when America celebrates their independence. I can't remember what you called it, Michael. Some some ridiculous happy treason day. Treason. Yeah. And then, right. and then David Hemphill had a great comment. He said, dude, screw England. They lost a 13-colony lead. Like, that's on them. That's what he said. I thought that was awesome. Look, but no, we, no, no hate against... We very generous. You know, so we have yeah, given... whatever, whatever. <laughs> they've, they've given 58 countries yeah. an Independence Day to celebrate. It's very generous of them. That, that's right. That's right. So July 4th, it was awesome. We did some fireworks and we did some, you know, hot dogs and burgers and hung out with friends and swam in the pool. It was a really hot day. It was perfect. So happy 4th nice. to everyone who celebrated and uh, happy 4th to, to everybody who didn't celebrate. Um, and also in honor of 4th of July, I am bringing back this year my freedom stash. So Michael is not a fan. And uh, he's a little bit more of a fan now that you see it, like after it was not just freshly it's cut. A, yeah. It's not too bad. It's a, it's a bit better. It's a bit better now that you've manscaped it into yeah. a Miles Teller of, of Top Gun Maverick fame. That's what I was mustache. going for. I'll have to send We'll have to put a picture in the show notes. It's not too bad. It's better. It's better. It's not great. <laughs> My wife still gives me a dirty look every time she sees me. She's like, when are you going to get rid of that thing? So I usually keep it for a couple days. Dirty look for a dirty stash. Mm-hmm. Yep, indeed. So I've, I'm trying to pull more people in. So I've got a couple guys that might be uh, shaving freedom stashes tomorrow saw, for work. So I saw J-Mac. Yeah. I saw, so, I saw J-Mac is, is contemplating the, the stash. For, he, I told him that. He said he was going to do it for the Laracon stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I said to him, I'm only renewing my shift workbench license if he shaves that off. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. So, like, here's the deal. I'm debating. I'm debating whether I should keep it for Laracon or if I should just keep it. I think you it. should at this point. It's only two weeks so. away, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I'm i either going to keep it or I'm just going to let the rest of my facial hair grow out for the two weeks and then shave the mustache to match whatever, you know, facial hair <laughs> I have at that time. We'll see. We will see. I don't, if I wear... A, I've just noticed in your background, which obviously our, mm-hmm. our listeners will not see, see, but yeah. you've got you've got on your uh, on your wall there, your slot wall. You've got you've got pictures up there. Where I are you going to put all your happy birthday? I know banners now. Oh, well, you put it on the other side. We put it on the other wall, the way that across the way. It, it goes over the the uh, sliding glass door, but it doesn't matter. We still put it up. So okay, I know because okay. that's that's the wall that you always give me crap about. That there's always happy birthday banners <laughs> up. There won't be any more banners until like November. All of our birthdays are done for a while. So. Ah, well, folks, I know Excellent. this is not what you came to hear, uh, so we're going to get into things, but we want to shout out Honey Badger before we do so. Thanks so much, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. Honey Badger is error tracking and monitoring for your Laravel applications as well as all of your other applications that you might happen to write in other languages, God forbid, but they do a great job and they sponsor the show. So thank you so much, Honey Badger, for sponsoring. We've got some releases, some news, some packages, and some tutorials. So let's jump into the releases. Last time we did not have any releases for Laravel, but this time we do. So 10.14. This week, the Laravel team, which was June 28th, the Laravel team released 10.14 with a new can validation rule, defining custom gate denial responses, global HTTP client middleware, and HTTP client convenience methods and more. Okay, so Steve Bauman tweeted out, this was recently merged into Laravel. The rule can 
validation rule allows you to authorize an ability on form inputs. This allows you to move some authorization logic from the controller and into the form request and display validation error rather than handling it yourself. So what this is talking about is you have gates and policies that you can create to state whether a particular user has an ability to create or update or edit or delete or show a particular model. And so you you could do that before, uh, I suppose, in a form request during the authorize portion of a form request. But I think it would just in that case return back like a 403 unauthorized, I think is what it would return back. And now, essentially, what you can do is you can, instead of that, say, rule can, and then you can pass in the gate or the ability, update author, uh, and then you pass in, you know, the user or whatever, and, or I guess the user gets pushed in automatically. And in the case that it fails, it will return a nice formatted error message for you, rather than just failing on a 403, right? It would say, hey, the author is not unable to, is not able to do this. Or maybe what you would do is in the controller itself, you would say, uh, can they do this? And then you'd have to be responsible for returning the validation message. So essentially what this does right. is it just makes it so you can put the, that sort of logic inside of your rules, inside of your form requests and return back a really nice formatted message that will just slot right into the rest of your error messages mm-hmm. for a form that you might have out there. Yeah, And that's nice if you're using form requests because you know the very first method in your form request when you create a new one is the authorized method. Right. So yep. it makes sense to kind of co-locate all of that authorization sort of validation logic in one place and i've done that before using the you know the after after validation or whatever Mm -hmm. that that method is to to do some additional authorization type checks in my form request so i think kind of keeping all of that stuff together rather than splitting it up between the form request and the controller if you're using form requests is a nice little quality of life improvement it also for that one and also it, it wasn't um super obvious what was happening in the case that somebody got a 403. So sometimes you just, you know, again, if you just throw it in that authorize, it's just going to return, nope, you can't, with not much information yeah. for you, right? It's just going to render a 403 response and, and there you have it. So unless you've customized your 403 error blade file to say you are not mm-hmm. authorized to do X, Y, or Z, there's really no way to to do anything with that. So with this, it's not a hard error. It's a very soft error that you're returning with some messaging around, this user cannot update the author of this post, or whatever it might be, right? So very nice. Okay. Uh, so that is pull request 47371. If you're interested in more information on that one, uh, setting a custom response for a denial within a gate inspect uh, method. So Luke Kuzmish contributed the ability to set a response that is returned when a gates inspect method failed fails. For example, when using in conjunction with the CAN middleware. So if you have a new gate, you can set a denial response uh, and then you can pass back a custom response uh, value. So it looks like this is a global uh, setting. So they just have it in the app service provider. So you just use the gate facade and they say set denial response. Uh, And this this is similar. It's not exactly the same. Basically, what we were talking about previously is if you had a gate where somebody cannot do something, you're checking gate, can they do this? And we said it would just return a 403. You can return a custom response if a gate check fails. That's essentially what this is. So you can say gate, set denial response, and then uh, pass in what type of response you want to come back uh, when a gate check fails is the idea. 
So that was nice. uh, contributed by yeah. Luke. Thank you, Luke. Tim McDonald contributed the ability to define global HTTP client middleware that is applied to every request made with the HTTP client. So for example, if you wanted to set a user agent, a header for every single thing going out that is uh, using HTTP client, you could do that. Uh, if you wanted to have a global response middleware where you set an X finished at header, uh, or if you wanted to have a global middleware that would do set both the request and the response options. So you, you can do that. So um, this is nice if you are building out an API, I suppose. It'd be nice to be able to set those values as global HTTP middlewares. Uh, or I suppose even if you're utilizing, I'm trying to think if you only ever interacted with one API or something, and there was some setting that you needed to have on every single HTTP request that you were using for that, right. you could do this. Mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't do that, but that's an option, right? If you, instead of setting it on each request, you could, you could do it that way. You can also define, it looks like a one-time middleware, uh, which is interesting. So you can check out all the details in pull request 47.525. Find it in the show notes. Add a with header method to a pending request. So Ralph J, is it Ralph? Ralph or Ralph? I'll say Ralph. 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 Ralph J. Smith contributed a with header method to set a singular header when using the HTTP client. So uh, previously, what you would do is you would say with headers, like that was the only option available to you. And then you'd pass in an array of headers that you would set. But in the case that you only need to pass one header or set one header, you would still have to use with headers with an array. So Ralph contributed the ability to say with header, single value, single, you know, or singular. And in that case, all you do is you pass as the first parameter, the header, uh, key and then as the second parameter the value right so just a little convenience method there uh, Matthew Napoli contributed a with query parameters method as a convenience method for defining query parameters that should always be defined on an HTTP request a couple minutes ago we talked about uh, these global HTTP middlewares and I said if there was a single API endpoint that you needed to interact with throughout your whole app maybe you'd do something like that you could also do something where you have a class where you interact with an API and as uh, you could say like this client equals and then set up a HTTP client in the top of that, which has your options like a base URL, right? Or headers or things like that. And so this with query parameters is used in an instance like that, right? Where if you had a query parameter of an API secret that you needed to add to every single one of these requests that's going to go out, you can now do that. So this will return, uh, you know, HTTP base URL with query parameters, and then you could return that, and then you could chain off of that. Now get get this URL, right? And then that's always going to have those query parameters set. So it's going to have that base URL set. It's always going to accept JSON or what have you. So we actually were working with a API endpoint that needed this today. The USPS zip code checking service. They pass everything through the URL, your API token and your username mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It always goes through there. So we had to do something exactly like this where we said, always set this value, always set these options. And so with query parameters is a nice uh, convenience for defining those query parameters that should always be defined on an HTTP request. Okay, that's it for 10.14. Of course, you can find all the changes and fixes in the show notes. Mr. Dorinda. Beautiful. At Laracon Online, Caleb Pozio gave a talk called The Future of Livewire, where he demoed all the new features that were planned for version three of Livewire. And in this article, or in this news piece, we're going to just briefly touch on all of those features again, in case you missed the talk. So we've got a new Alpine-based core, 
The entire Livewire core has been rewritten and the new core relies on Alpine more using its morph history and other plugins under the hood, meaning that Livewire has better diffing. Features can be built faster and there's less duplication between Livewire and Alpine. So there's Livewire scripts will all be automatically injected. There is now hot reloading available without a build step. There's a new wire transition. Sorry, Alpine has had transitions for a while, but Livewire V3 will have a wrapper around the X transition called wire transition and adding wire transition to any element that will be shown or hidden using Livewire will allow you to bring in those nice transitions nice and easily. Um, you can write JavaScript functions inside of your PHP classes, which sounds a bit mystical, magical for my taste. And there's also a at locked PHP doc annotation for properties, which makes the properties unable to be updated from the front end. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, actually. So if you want to, you know, to protect protect your backend code from being tampered with from the front end and, and things like that, you can use that. Um, Y model is now deferred by default. I think, which is a nice, nice performance kind of change and optimization. Um, but this is one of the very few breaking changes from uh, version two to version three. In version three, requests are now batched. So there is intelligent batching of requests so that if you've got multiple wire poles, um, event listeners, method calls, they're all batched into a single request when possible and saving more requests and improving performance of your application. There's reactive properties. So in LiveWire v3, when you pass a piece of data to a child component, you can add an at prop annotation above the property in the child. And when you update in the parent component, it will also update in the child component, which is nice. So you get this cascading change all the way down. Another pain point from LiveWire version 2 is the modeling of properties from a parent to a child component. So say, for example, you have a LiveWire to-do input component. There was no easy way to pass values and have them automatically updated in the parent anytime the child updated. So in LiveWire v3, you can use wire model when using the input component. And then inside the input component, add a at modelable php.comment above the property where you're storing the value for the component and LiveWire will handle the rest for you. Oh, there's a lot of stuff in this release, um, which I will encourage you all. I will encourage you all to read this post, which there will be a link to in the show notes. So um, the reason we're talking about all of this stuff that we spoke about back in February, is because Caleb has just announced that Laravel Livewire version 3 will officially be released on the 20th of July at Laracon US. So if you want a refresher in the lead up to his presentation at Laracon, come through and read this. Or if you're like me and provide a, a visual medium, wait until you see the talk or the video after the fact. We'll have links to all of it. Don't worry about my mess of a, of a presentation here. We'll have links to everything in the show notes for you. No, don't do that. You should just, you should just go read this right now. That's really good. Okay, um, I wanted to talk about this real quick. Man, Livewire, I have been using it a lot. I remember, so here's the crazy thing. I remember when Caleb first pitched this idea in New York um, mm -hmm. as like the last live Laracon. And he was like, it, we were walking around. I think I might have talked this story about one other time, one time before. And he's like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I just don't think I would use it. Like <laughs> famous last words, yeah. right? And now I use it all the time. I love it. It's so good. But there are a lot of really cool things implemented in this new version that I have been waiting for, just waiting for. The lazy components is huge. The teleport deal is huge. Uh, those reactive child components, uh, child components with those properties that are passed down. The JavaScript thing, that's a crazy one, right? Writing JavaScript functions right. in your PHP classes, uh, your editor is going to have a real hard time trying to figure that one out. It's like, wait, I'm in a PHP class, but I'm supposed to be doing syntax highlighting for JavaScript. 
Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to do this? So anyway, it's it's cool. I, I don't know. I'm interested to see what he comes up with on this. Here's the thing for me with Livewire and Vue and Inertia and anytime anyone asks me about this. If if you're a PHP developer and you know Laravel and you know PHP, but you've never touched JavaScript or you or you want to avoid it, which is completely reasonable, for the most part, unless you need crazy levels of, you know, interactivity and things flying around and you know if, if you can't do it with alpine and live wire you've probably reached the threshold where you kind of need to explore those other things but i think for php developers for laravel developers that you know want to have all of that stuff without you know introducing another set of tooling to to your projects and to you know your own personal tool chest um live wire yeah and it's only getting better, right? The the community and the support right. around these things is just getting better and better, which is speaking of what's next in the list. So there is a new package called Pines UI, and this is by Tony Lee. Uh, it's an Alpine and Tailwind UI library, and it has animations and sliders and tooltips, accordions, modals, and more. So it can be copied and pasted into any project that uses Alpine and Tailwind projects. So this is not necessarily you know, Livewire, but it's Alpine and Tailwind, which is close, Mm -hmm. right? It's close. If you're using Livewire, it's likely that you're using Alpine and, and, you know, probably Tailwind too. So if you've not gotten a chance to see this, it's, it kind of blew up on Twitter a little bit, got like 733, 773 likes on it, but the documentation is really solid. The, the quality of the UI elements is, is great. So you have accordions, banners, a copy to clipboard, right? We've all had to build that a time or two, right? Where you have to click the little thing. GitHub yeah. has this, right? A date picker, a drop-down menu, a modal, an image gallery, a menu bar, a progress bar, tool tips, et cetera, et cetera. So the easiest way to pitch this one is just to talk about going to the official website, which is devdojo.com slash pines. Of course, you can find the source code on GitHub at devdojo, the devdojo slash pines. But it's really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. And so I, I looked at this for a while the other day and was really impressed with it. So excited that you know the the community continues to push out great stuff around these libraries uh, to make them even more usable right out of the box. It's kind of cool, right? Some of these things are things that it feels a little bit bootstrap like. You know how bootstrap had all these things right. sort of built in. I appreciate that Alpine doesn't necessarily have them built in. You can strap them on, though, mm-hmm. with other uh, packages, right? You can just bolt them on, and then you're, you're set to go. Um, so lots of options out there. If you're just getting started, this is a great place to co- go take a look, uh, even if you're not just copying and pasting them in, to see how some of these things are built. Uh, so really great job yeah. on that. Tony? I mean, I think I think that was, you know, when Tailwind UI first came out, there was always, I think, the intent to, to have some, ju- you know, some basic javascript stuff and then have some view stuff and have some react stuff and i think they went very react heavy for for a while there and it was kind of like you know you gotta either be using react or you've got to figure this stuff out for yourself and then alpine kind of came along a little bit later and i know that you know between version one and version two or between version zero and version one there was a lot of changes and so you know the tailwind guys didn't want to kind of commit to to doing like an alpine version of this because the the API was in flux. And so it's like, you know, you do V1 and then you've got to redo it again for V2 and right. then all of that kind of stuff. So it's it's nice that we've got, you know, this kind of stuff available as like a community built thing. And Tony does great work. You know, he, he runs Dev Dojo and he's doing a lot of this kind of Alpine 
Tailwind Livewire stuff to show you, you know, what you can pull off with with that kind of stack. So it's nice to have this available. Yeah, really, really solid stuff. Really solid. The documentation is incredible, actually. So that's one of those things, right? Is you can have a GitHub package or a GitHub library that you that you can go pull in and okay, great, good enough. But the documentation on this is really, really polished and solid, right? And that's what differentiates. That's what differentiated Laravel for me when I first got started too, was the mm-hmm. documentation was just incredible. And he's done a really, really good job of giving you the demo. And then here's the code that goes along with it. And the code was really clean, easy to paste right into your project. So great job, Tony. Way to go. Excellent. JetBrains has announced a bundle for Laravel developers that includes both PHP Storm and the Laravel IDEA plugin. So JetBrains, the company behind PHP Storm, has exciting news for Laravel developers, and that is that they have introduced this special bundle that offers PHP Storm and the Laravel IDEA plugin at a 50% discount. The bundle itself provides an exceptional development environment tailored specifically for Laravel projects. Laravel IDEA is a powerful commercial plugin developed by Adele, not the singer, <laughs> and offers advanced support and enhanced features for Laravel development in PHP Storm. If you're interested in the bundle, you can find out more about, about the the plugin from its dedicated page. But Marcel Possiot says Laravel Idea is a must-have PHP Storm plugin. And you all know that I'm a, a big Vim user and I wouldn't give it up for the for anything. But when anytime I see stuff you know, on Twitter from Laravel Idea about the new features that they've got, about the things that they've introduced, um, the the introduction of like auto-completion for routes, eloquent model support, validation rule support, advanced code generation, even like I think recently they've introduce this ability to like get auto completion support for your configuration files and things like that all of this kind of stuff that you go what is that config thing you know you've got to go and open the config file and you've got to find the key copy and paste it in there when being able to do all of this you know just just with the auto completion that's available in php storm is fantastic there's also free env there's there's a free env support plugin for php storm which provides improved support for env files in your laravel projects there's a Laracast partnership as well, which we'll go into here. JetBrains has partnered with Jeffrey Way from Laracast, a renowned online learning platform mm-hmm. for Laravel developers. Indeed. And together they have created a new course called PHP Storm for Laravel Developers. This comprehensive course aims to help Laravel developers maximize their productivity with PHP Storm and the Laravel IDEA plugin. And the entire PHP Storm for Laravel Developers series is available for free on Laracast. And if you prefer YouTube, you can also find the series on the Laracast official YouTube channel. By following the course, you'll gain valuable insights and learn practical tips and tricks for leveraging the power of PHP Storm and the Laravel IDEA plugin to streamline your Laravel development workflow. Um, we'll have links to all of this stuff here, the 50% off bundle for PHP Storm and Laravel IDEA. You can check out Laravel IDEA at laravel-idea.com and Laracast at laracast.com. Thanks, everyone. That's beautiful. There we have it. Love it. Yes, it is. I use Laravel IDEA all the time. It's great. Really good stuff. And I remember the struggle from switching to Sublime to PHP Storm was real. I remember being like, oh man, this editor is so heavy and it's really bloated and looks gross. This was like five years ago, right? And I remember I watched Jeffrey Way's series on like PHP, I can't remember. It was like Be Awesome in PHP Storm or something like that. I can't remember what it was called. Mm -hmm. But it was, you know, here's how you transition from Sublime. It was essentially exactly that. Everybody's using Sublime. Here's how he transitioned over to PHP Storm. And uh, he helped me get my editor set up in a way that I was like, oh, yeah, this feels good. Uh, PHP Storm is getting better and better, though. They actually just released a new UI not too long ago 
and I really like it. It's really, really clean, and I'm cleaning it up even more in preparation for my talk in a couple of weeks here. But it's looking, it's looking really good, and Laravel Idea is awesome, uh, or sorry, is also pretty awesome. So check that out if you haven't. All right, we have a news article here, talk called, sorry, titled, oh my word, Download the response of HTTP requests in Laravel. So Marcel Posiat shared a tip on using this Laravel HTTP client method, sync, that allows you to write a response to a file. So he says, this is a little neat undocumented feature of the HTTP client method that makes it super easy to download remote files with additional headers. So if you say HTTP and then you say sync, so HTTP colon colon sync and pass a storage path. So storage path download.zip. And then you say get and then you pass in the example of a location that has a zip file in it that will go ahead and download that to the specified storage path that you had previously. If you'd like to learn more about all the excellent features of Laravel's HTTP request class, you can check out the HTTP requests documentation, as well as the pending request source, which is another great place to see how Laravel's HTTP client works under the hood. Now, sync request is basically in the Guzzle HTTP client library. Uh, which was formerly the save to request option. So it kind of got a rename, mm-hmm. which is easily understandable as a, like, it was. It used to be save to, which is easily understandable. The sync method, eh, not so much, right? So I can understand mm-hmm. why this would be one of those ones that would kind of get lost in the transition. Uh, so thanks, Marcel, yeah. for bringing that back to our attention. And and when you say sync, you say sync as in kitchen sink, S-I-N-K. not sync as in synchronize, right? That's S-I-N-K. right. S-I-N-K. I don't, what the, what the I don't understand is. why. Like, yeah. yeah, what is what is the link here between sync and, you know, what it's actually doing? Like, why is it not just HTTP download, for example? Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking to see if there is some sort of something that I don't understand hmm. in the definition. Anyway, this... Yeah, it says... This pending... Go ahead. This pending request class is a good one if you've... I know that um, Freik has put out some content in the past about pending objects and things like that, allowing you to kind of build up the world of, like, in the context of an object to do certain things using, like, named methods. So you can say, you know, this... I don't have a contrived example even, but being... Go and look through this code and it tells you, you know, using using the HTTP facade, it'll give you, you know, if you go HTTP get it will go and new up this pending request and give you a pending request back. And then all of the methods get called on that until eventually you call like a terminating method, like send or whatever. And all of this stuff kind of happens behind the scenes. It's how you get that kind of fluent API with the pending request object. So definitely check it out. It's a, it's a very nice pattern to do all kinds of different things. We use it at work to kind of build up things. I dreamt up, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, this isn't a problem right now, but wouldn't it be cool if we had like this class where we could say lender colon colon submit dollar application arrow two and then give it like a lender name or a lender slug and then say like arrow now, right? What would that happen? And then like three weeks later, because I'd had this 4am fever dream, I was able to just wake up and go and build it using this pending Hilarious. object thing. So there's there's lots of things that, you know, if you ever find yourself diving through the source of Laravel, that you'd like learn some things and you learn some new ways and approaches of doing things and they kind of just sit in the back of your head. And then one day you'll come across some code or you have a 4 a.m. fever dream and and you'll be like, I reckon I could use that to solve this problem. So, you know, source diving is is I, I maintain one of the best ways of learning 
you know, how to build new things, how to do new things, how, how to pick up new techniques. Because sometimes learning these things in the abstract, you know, learning theory about all these different things, reading a blog post that explains what it is doesn't really make as much sense as like looking at a real world example and then figuring out, okay, well, how do I apply this into, you know, my application or my day-to-day or whatever else. So a bit of a tangent, but uh, do that. It's, it's a good idea to, to source dive. Absolutely. All right, Laravel 10 is getting a long-awaited feature to get the raw SQL query, including the bindings. So oh, if you've ever yes. done, you know, your like user colon colon where email equals and, you know, where active equals one and whatever else, and then you call to SQL, you mm-hmm. get this beautifully formatted query and it's got all these question marks in it. You yes, can't copy indeed. and paste that and throw that into SQL and run your explain statements and whatever else. So Tobias Petrie um, has been working on a bunch of this functionality to augment eloquent and the query builder and all that kind of stuff and this will be tagged as part of the next 10.x release so it'll be 10.15 i think whether or not it's out at the time of this recording i'm not sure i'm not going to look i'm going to leave you all in suspense so before you'd have to do like two raw sql and then it would have to like if you use debug bar it kind of did all this for you but then if you if you took all that stuff and kind of put it into um i know ray does it as well but there's like all these different pieces of tooling that will or won't put the placeholders in there. And it's a bit gnarly if you DD, you know, user DD, sorry, if you get your query and then you chain like DD to the end of it, it will give you the query and then it will just give you an array of all the bindings and it's a bit. Anyway, all of this is a thing of the past. You can now do use the new two raw SQL method and that will give you the query with all of the bindings replaced with all of the, the variables that you've passed into the query. So you can take that bad boy and go, why is this query slow? And you can copy it and yep. put it into your editor and, so you know, nice. do explain in MySQL and figure out what's going on, where you need to put an index and all that kind of stuff. So thanks to Tobias for this one. This is like, if this is the only thing that lands in the next version of Laravel, it would be, be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to go Check one. it out. Indeed. Okay. So next we have generating code in Laravel with Synth. So the Synth package for Laravel helps you generate code and perform various tasks in your Laravel application by leveraging the power of OpenAI's GPT language model to provide an interactive and intelligent development experience. So essentially what this looks like is you can interact with ChatGPT from your command line using PHP Artisan Synth. So you can do a couple of things. Like, for example, you can change out which language model you're using depending on what what your need is. So for example, you can change out to a 16K version of the language model, which will accept a larger set of tokens if you need to send it something really large. Why would you need to do that? You might say, well, you can tell it to look at a particular file in your Laravel application and then suggest changes. So you can use uh, PHP Artisan Synth and then say architect to brainstorm with GPT to generate new application architecture. Or you can say, models to generate models for your application or migrations to generate migrations or you can write files directly to the system so if you use make it will create or update any file by asking so you could say hey i want to you want you to look at this invoice model i suppose and i want you to you know add a pay method on it and it will just figure out like what it thinks it should do michael and i said essentially this feels like a GitHub Copilot version that's running from the command line rather than in your editor. It's kind of what it feels like, right? I prefer GitHub Copilot, but this one's open source. So it's free, right? And GitHub Copilot is a hundred bucks a year. So I could be wrong. Maybe there's something else to it that I'm missing, but yeah, it's interesting. 
it, it's kind of kind of cool. I love these sorts of experiments. So I didn't I didn't catch who actually made this one. Well, let's see, Leonard V two. So thanks Leonard for creating this one. Go go play around with it. See what you guys can create. Y'all, what y'all can create. More query stuff or a query heavy episode this this week. As a Laravel developer, you are writing eloquent queries every day, and these queries can be a simple insert of a new record. What you don't want to do it. Oh, I do want to do it. You said we weren't going to do it. Do it. Go for it. Do it. Come on now. It's a tutorial, basically. Here's basically what I wanted to say. Tinkerwell is a really cool tool created by Marcel. And it basically allows you to have a PHP artisan tinker on steroids on your desktop in its own little application. Here's what I read that I thought was really cool that I did not realize you could do. There is this thing called magic comments in Tinkerwell. What it allows you to do is add inline debugging output to your script at runtime without changing the result of the code snippet. So if after you if after a line of code you put slash star question mark arrow, then you can append like a method onto that particular line to kick out to your console, but it will allow the code to continue to run. I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but in the example he has user where has orders, and then at that point he's doing count, right? This slash star question mark arrow count. So at that point, what's going to happen is he's going to get a count of the users where they have orders. And then on the next line, he says where they have posts. And then he does count again. So essentially what he's doing, and we've probably all done this before, is I want to see how many people have orders and then give me the difference between that and how many also have posts. Right now, sometimes you could, you know, some what you might do in some instances is just say count and then write a second query and say count again, right? But this makes it really handy. You can just do it straight in line right inside the uh, little Tinkerwell editor there. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, you can also, if you want to do this and just kick something out without having to do the arrow count. So if you're at the end of a line and you want to just push that out to the little console export or uh, output there, you can just put slash slash question mark. And that will take whatever the value of the output of that line is and kick it over to the output as well. The last thing on here was this cool table mode. Uh, which essentially gives you a table plus looking ish output where you just get like a big like Excel sheet sort of of the output of whatever the value is that you're looking at in your Tinkerwell. Uh, you can save it as a CSV and all sorts of cool stuff. So I'm not doing it justice because the article is is like Michael said, it's long. You should read it if you use Tinkerwell. But I love Tinkerwell. I use it all the time. And I think you should check this article out if you use it too. There is... Two things I wanted to say. There's a there's a bit of crossover between what Tinkerwell does now with this functionality and what Invoker, which is another project or another product from Beyond Code, you know, with this kind of tabular stuff. It's a little bit more developer focused, whereas Invoker is more of a point and click kind of GUI. Uh, the other thing, yes, Marcel may have created it, but um, Diana Scharf, who works at Beyond Code, has done a lot of the the maintenance of it over the last year or so that that I could see and cranking out. You know, there's been 25 updates Dang. in the last 12 months. So Dang. she's she's doing work and she's speaking at Laracon US. So make sure that if you are at Laracon US and you use Tinkerwell that you go and say thank you for all the hard work that she does on um, on this project. Absolutely. I have no segue this week, but let's face it, your code is going to have errors, even code written by amazing developers such as yourself. And when those errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and check-in monitoring single easy to use platform 
I'll send you alerts in real time with all the context you need to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. And with the included uptime and cron monitoring, you also will find out when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. You can go to HoneyBadger. No, you should go to HoneyBadger.io and discover how Star Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important because it's a self-funded business. It means the answer only to you, the developer, rather than venture to capital overlords. Venture to capital overlords. That's right. Check them out, HoneyBadger.io. Thank you for sponsoring the show for a long, long time. Absolutely. We've got another package here, and this is an interesting one. It's, you know, we're, you know, we said it's a query heavy episode. It's also like a chat GPT AI ish heavy sort of episode. So this one is called Chat GPT Mock API Generator Package. So think to yourself you have models and you have model factories, right? And that basically creates little fake versions of your models for you using predefined fake values. So you would say, I want a name here, I want a zip code here, I want an email here, et cetera, et cetera. You might not be able to do that as easily with something like an API response. So what this does essentially for you is it allows you to generate smart API mocks in Laravel using chat GPT prompts. So here's an example. They have a route get mock response. And then inside of that, they have return chat GPT mock API generate. As the first argument, you're going to include the prompt. And the prompt they have here is European countries and their national food. That's the prompt that's going to get fed to chat GPT. As a second argument, you're going to include an array of keys that you would like to return that would be associated with that prompt. So for example, ID, name, food, food description. And then as a third argument, you're going to have how many of those responses do you want to return from here? And so in this case, this would generate a JSON response that would have something like ID is one, two, and three. The name would be Italy, France, and Spain. The food would be pizza, croissants, uh, pa- paella, paella, paella. And then it has food descriptions under each one of those. So this saves you, I suppose, from generating your own responses uh, or your own fake API responses. And then to avoid hitting API limits, this will, by default, cache your generated responses. Uh, at the time of writing, this also includes a few other features like disabling the cache and configuring which model you're using, etc. So this is kind of interesting. Hmm. I could see using this. I'm curious how long it caches it for and how it caches it. Actually, like if I if I ran it if if I ran it, could I use it in a test? Like could I use it in a test and the test would have the cached version of it or or not? I don't know. Where does it save the cache? Not sure. Doesn't say. Probably not. Probably not in any location that's going to get persisted to your Git. So, caches it in the database. Ah, there you go. There you go. All right. Two tutorials. Two this week. Number one, Steve McDougall, diving into cross-origin resource sharing. We've been having the dickens of a time with this at work with a vendor that we integrate. They give us like an embeddable thing that we kind of we get the link for it and then we embed it in the page, but they did not. It, it's a bit obscure sometimes unless you look at in the in the console for these things for offsite resources what the error might be. In in our instance, we were loading like an iframe, and it just comes up as like Firefox can't load this page or Chrome can't load this page, and it doesn't you know unless you look at the responses and see you know this cross origin stuff going on. Basically, JavaScript embedding things remotely on different domains unless they're specifically configured to allow it, you can't do it. And it's a bit tricky to diagnose. So this is talking about 
um, what cross-origin resource sharing is, um, how to deal with paths and allowed methods and allowed origins and things like that. The other one that we've got here is API authentication in Laravel. Um, talks about Sanctum and Passport and Laravel Breeze and Jetstream and all these other different and exciting things. Tokens are my favorite because they're the easiest. OAuth is a pain, but it's used on lots of systems because it's more secure or something. I'm being very flippant about it. I just don't like using OAuth because it's painful, especially when you Same. need to do the whole two-legged two OAuth flow to get a token so yes. that you can get your tokens so that you can do server-to-server -server communication. So, um, But check it out. Steve is always providing wonderful, informative content. Today, I just... Uh, links to it in the show notes. I just used XML over JSON today because I didn't want to deal with the OAuth flow. Literally, I was like, it's not worth it. It's too it's too much. Didn't didn't want to deal with it. I have been firmly living in the age of enterprise IBM late nineties, early two thousands, doing soap and XML and all kinds of wonderful and weird things the last couple of weeks. So I know all too well about XML, bringing back nightmares from my junior days. Indeed. All right, that's it. We're done. We've We're held done. you captive long enough. We are done. This was episode 195. You can find the show notes for it at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 195. Rate us up in your podcatcher of choice if you can figure out how to do so. We figured out a couple of weeks ago it is very arduous and difficult to find that. So if you do find it, I will be very proud of you. And we'll maybe talk about you on the show if I could figure out how to find the reviews. Um, let's see what else. Hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. If you still use Twitter... And if you can see their embeds on websites, which apparently is a, you know, you have to be logged in to view them anymore, man, because that's a mess, right? That messed up a bunch of stuff on our on the Laravel News website because we do Twitter embeds all yeah. over the place because that's where people share their news. And if you're not logged into yeah. Twitter, you can't see them. Come on, what's going on? What's happening here? So hit us up on the interwebs. However, you can find us on Twitter, or you can see us at Laracon US or AU. Go to those places too. We'd love to see you and hang out with you there. Tickets. Tickets are on sale. Tickets are on sale to AU. Get them now while they're hot. Tickets are on sale for Laracon AU. Yes, they are. We're uh, we're into like, I don't know, four months or something. 130 days the last time I looked. Buy tickets. Come and hang out. It's been four years. I'm, Indeed. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone. I'm, I'm in the throes at the moment of sort of gearing myself up to review the speaker, you know, talk submissions and things like that and figure out who we can bring and what kind of talks we're going to have. And if you've got any ideas, let me know. You got this. And if you know anyone that should speak, get them to submit. There's still 10 days to submit at the time of this recording. We would love to have you share your knowledge. Absolutely. All right, folks. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.